Love podcasts? You'll love Podcast Magazine, taking readers into the lives of today's leading podcasters and beyond the microphone of the show's fans love. Each month, Podcast Magazine's dedicated writers share personal interviews, industry happenings, exclusive categorical charts, and independent ratings and reviews of under-the-radar shows. If you listen to podcasts, subscribe now at podcastmagazine.com and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. That's podcastmagazine.com. On today's episode of Reinvention Radio. I always have that mentality. Mario Andretti, the great car race, uh, race car driver, they asked him once, what's your biggest fear? And he said, poverty. And that's something that always stuck with me. Okay. So I feel bad when people are hurting. This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the one and only Richie Ote. What's up, my brother? How are you, sir? Good to see you. Mary Goulet is out uh, sheltering in place in the world. Uh, Kelly's doing her thing back at headquarters and Wade is in the studio just waiting for somebody, anybody, please show up and keep Wade company because he's like, oh my God, nobody's here. And I get that. Um, So yeah, we are doing this on Zoom, broadcasting live uh, on Facebook as well. We do this every Thursday from 12 until 2 Pacific. Uh, We do an hour of Beyond Eight Figures which is our show where we sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than 10 million uh, or currently run businesses that gross more than 10 million annually. Uh, And then we do the other hour here of reinvention radio, where we bring folks on from across the globe uh, who have reinvented their lives and are dismantling the status quo and in their particular area of expertise. And so super excited uh, today because we've got a hell of a guest that'll be joining us here uh, in in just a second. We're going to bring on, Let's actually see if I can uh, bring him on here in a second. But um, yeah, we got we got the one and order one and only Claudio is going to be hanging out with us. There we go. See now we've got now we got a camera. We got a mic. We'll try to test that out for you when when you're ready. Um, but what I, I do want to make sure that uh, you guys know we're, we're we're thinking about here, which is we're, we're thinking about you, and we're really uh, aware that many many of you are and are hurting right now. Uh, and, and certainly aware that many of you who own businesses uh, are being hammered right now. And if there's any way that, that I can help you, I am offering free strategy sessions, 20-minute strategy sessions uh, that I'm calling, a, uh, I'm calling them pivot in place strategy sessions, kind of like shelter in place, but pivot in place because I know a lot of business owners uh, are trying to figure out right now exactly what to do. Uh, I will certainly say this, which is that digital uh, and virtual is no longer optional, right? And if you're trying to figure out how to make that shift into the world of digital, into that world of virtual, uh, I'd love to be able to help you identify what that biggest opportunity is. You can grab a free, it's not a sales conversation, it's literally just to give back. It's me trying to help you identify where that biggest opportunity might be for you. Uh, and so just go to uh, pivot in place. Dot net and you can sign up for, you know, I don't know exactly how many uh, slots we've got left there. I uh, would just free complimentary strategy sessions, me to help you grab that at pivotinplace.net. And, uh, and so Richie, before we jump in uh, with Claudia here on, uh, on reinvention radio, 
uh, let me just ask you this. Uh, are you, are you feeling like things are, are moving in, in a more, in a more sane direction? I mean, what, what's, what's kind of your pulse? Where, what, what are you seeing? What are you feeling right now? Uh, just in terms of the world that you're dancing in, what, what are folks saying? Well, in my particular space, it's yeah. going more than ever. It's probably, if anything, they're good problems. Like there's, because e-commerce and digital marketing. So mm. um, then again, even some of those, some of those companies aren't doing good. It's like if you're selling fidget spinners or something like that, I'm yeah. pick that, but that's not going to be so good. But I have a friend that I think I've mentioned multiple times to you sells frozen fish. He sells walleyes from the Midwest and it's like sure. memories packaged as frozen fish. But that demographic is an older demographic that, misses the shore lunches on the Michigan Lake and they live in Arizona and they probably have their house paid and they're not supposed to go to the store. I'm super generalizing, but you, you get where I'm going here. Yeah. They're like, they're yeah. not supposed to, he's flourishing. Like his, his problem is actually he was running low on stock. So he couldn't sell as many as people wanted to buy. But then even the ripple effect that you were alluding to on the last show, um, a lot more restaurants aren't buying that. So now he has a lot more supply able to come. He's just waiting on the logistics because it used to be going to restaurants, right? So there's this time lag. So in that regard, it's been great. Um, yeah. Trying to train up Trish on a ton of stuff because she's the right. exact opposite. She's in hospitality. Yeah, Everything she did was hospitality and that's completely shut down. Yeah, yeah, which is scary. And it's interesting too, and, and just on a completely, yeah, and, and this is going to be a really interesting conversation. And Claudio, let's uh, let's welcome you to Reinvention Radio. Let's just try let's just try your microphone first. I want to make sure you can try it. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Good. 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 So it's really interesting too because you think about a lot of the obvious industries that are that are hit. Uh, obviously, hospitality being one of them, and retail, and so on and so forth. Um, and and there, there's a whole other industry. As a matter of fact, when 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 it really hit me hard that there's something amiss here, and and I had my panic attack, and you know, just uncontrollable crying, and like just it was. I mean, I I was I was deep in the hole. Um, it was right after they announced the cancellation uh, of the uh, the various sports seasons. And, uh, and the cruise lines had just uh, announced that they were stopping all, all cruises. And, and it just, it, it, I think it hit me really, really hard because I, I just, I took on, uh, you know, I'm an empath, right? So I just took on a lot of the, the emotion that I was kind of feeling you know, universally in terms of like how many people are like the vendors at the ball games, you know, that are selling the beers and the hot dogs and, and, you know, and like, these are hourly folks, you know, I mean, like they, 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 they're not making, they're not living high on the hog. I mean, these are folks who are just scrambling to, you know, to, to put a little bit of bread on the table, you know, keep the lights on and you literally just pull the rug out from, from under them. And then, you know, like the athletes, Claudio, and I know you can speak to this, uh, you know, a little bit as well. I mean, they're, they're still going to get their checks for now, but at some point, you know, it's just like the ripple effect on this thing is unbelievable. So, uh, so let, let's do this, Richie. Let's, let's bring uh, Claudio officially on. And, and Claudio, just can you pronounce your last name for me just so I'm not completely butchering it throughout? That's okay. It's Relsano. Relsano. Okay. Right. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Although and I'm thinking so of doing, if you remember, Cher had one name, Pele had one name. I'm thinking about just going with Claudio, but just we'll, Claudio. We'll, we'll yeah. see how that works. Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, and so for those listening to the podcast, obviously you're not going to be able to see what we're doing on Facebook Live right now uh, with the video and the wall of plaques and awards and notoriety and, and news clippings and so on behind you. Um, so Claudio, for those who who don't know you, just give us the 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 brief. Uh, kind of two-minute understanding of, of who you are and all the fun stuff that you've done in your career. Okay. Well, um, head baseball coach at Carnegie Mellon. This is my 15th year at CMU. I've been scouting professionally and also the general manager of the Global Scouting Bureau, uh, which is a professional baseball scouting company. I've been coaching now for 37 years. Uh, started when I was 18. So I uh, also have a podcast where I interview a lot of sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I do a couple TV shows here in Pittsburgh, a boxing TV show, which I'm host of called Ring Talk, Pittsburgh's Ring Talk. And I also uh, co-host a great show called Steel City Sports World. So I uh, do a lot of things and I do a lot of uh, baseball camps, hitting lessons, own a landscaping business. I do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, um, and, and, and you actually played, I mean, you played ball yourself, right? Sure. Yeah. So talk, talk briefly about your, your own, career with with sports as well well originally uh i was eight years old i went to my first pittsburgh pirate game august 19th 1973 my uncle used to work at three stadium my, my mom and dad were from italy they weren't baseball fans they were boxing and soccer fans so i wasn't introduced to the sport until that day but i went to the game i was able to go down to the locker rooms i went onto the field by myself you know there's this 58,000 seat uh, stadium and there i was in the middle of the field by myself and I knew right then and there that something was going on with me that I, I really enjoyed this atmosphere, uh, seeing these, you know, ball players in these shiny white uniforms and all that. And then that was before the game even started. And I remember coming home and my dad said, did you have a good time? I said, I did. And I think I, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. And he said, what's that? So I, want, I want to be in professional baseball. And he very, I was eight years old, and he very simply said, if that's what you want to do, then me and your mom will do everything we can to make your dreams come true. And, and uh, thank God I've been able to do some things in the game. And, but if it wasn't for my parents giving me that love and support, none of these things would have happened. But I had a very good career playing-wise um, all the way through high school. Uh, then my, my first year, my, my second day of practice in college, I, I hurt my shoulder. Then the next day, I thought I could get away with it. And then the next day, two days in a row, I tore my knee up. And, uh, and I, that's, like I said, two days of practice. And that was it. Then my old coach from high school, Rich Wozniki, <clears throat> said, how would you like to be my assistant coach? I said, sure. You know, so I did that for five years, but still with the goal of playing. So I had two tryouts that I was hurt, injured. That's okay. The third tryout. Um, I was completely healthy. I was fine. I was in shape. I, I worked my tail off uh, for this tryout and I just didn't do well. I didn't do well. And mm -hmm. I remember I was blessed with this a good is, this arm. Is a this is a college tryout, by the way? No, no, professional. That, oh, this professional tryout. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, yeah the, the, this is the, when I got hurt, that was in uh, late 82, but then I had, I recovered a little bit and I, I continued to play summer league ball and I had my final tryout um, and I, I just bombed long story short. I just bombed. I, at least I had a good arm, but and I, I, I threw the ball as hard as I could to third base from right field. And it took two hops 
And I remember shaking my arm like this and said, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? So then I fielded another ball, threw it, and I think it still hasn't got there, right? I said, that's okay. Then, then I remember we ran the 60, and it, it seemed like they made it a 100-yard dash. I mean, I'm running like crazy, and I can still see to this day, it was like chariots of fire, slow motion. Your arms are pumping, but you're not getting anywhere. So they didn't even let me hit, which was my best. It was my, my biggest thing that I could do. So long story short, I knew my playing career was over. And I remember sitting in the outfield with my legs crossed with a smile on my face, but not because I was happy. It's just, what am I going to do now? And I mm. felt like I was letting my parents down. And I was also, there was a lot of people in my life, more so family that was really, I, I don't want to say against, they really made, they used to say it wasn't going to happen. I was never going to make anything out of myself. I was never going to accomplish anything. Not that they didn't believe in me, but, and there's a difference. It isn't that they didn't believe in me, but they didn't want these things to happen for whatever reason. And I didn't want them to win. And um, so it was a lot of pressure on me to succeed. So then the, the playing was done. So then I slipped into coaching. Um, as I said, I had five years in as, as an assistant. And then 1988, I was head coach at Quaker Valley. I was 23 years old. Quaker Valley is my old high school. And yeah. then from there, I won a, I was, I was an assistant coach at college. And then I became head coach at Penn State Beaver, won a championship at age 25. They went on to Community College Beaver County coach, Duquesne University as Division I assistant. Um, then I disappeared for a couple of years. Um, I didn't, the coach and I at Duquesne did not get along. Um, we were opposite people and opposite coaches, um, which is fine. And then uh, I got a job. So I was climbing the ladder pretty quick, disappeared. Then I got a job for $800 a year at a small Catholic school, but I enjoyed every second of it. And something my dad told me, he said, you treated that job as if it were the Yankees. Mm -hmm. And in 2001, you know, my dreams came true by being uh, the guy who owns the Global Scouting Bureau, James Gamble, gave me the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, and he said, how would you, there's a story behind that, which we can get to later if you'd like, but he hired me to be a scout, professional scout. And then the next year, general manager, and I've been with him ever since. And then, like I said, Carnegie Mellon since 2005. So, um Thankfully, things went the way they did, but it was certainly a roller coaster for sure. Yeah, you know, and and it's interesting too because when you when when you think about like so right now in terms of Carnegie Mellon, um, Carnegie Mellon, uh, I mean, is that is that a di di is that Division One? Is that Division One school? Division One A? Division Two? No, it's a Division Three school. It's Division a Division Three. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you, from, from an athletic standpoint, when you look at the, the number of athletes who play a particular game, the, the difference in skill, I mean, what, what are most pitchers throwing in Division Three? Like a, a fastball in Division Three. What, what are these kids throwing in Division Three? Well, let me preface it by saying Carnegie Mellon is a division, our football team's division three basketball. Our team belongs to the National Club Baseball Association, which okay. is, a, is incredibly uh, competitive, so much so that I wanted our company to have a tryout for just NCBA players only. Anyway, um, they throw in the range of anywhere from, uh, you know, you'll see guys throwing 83, 84. Um, mm -hmm. 70 mm -hmm. well i'd say 80s to 84 85 something like that yeah gotcha and, and it's highly competitive you got some guys who can really hit and, and play the game well 
Um, yeah. Like I said, we're the only team on campus. There isn't like there's another team above us. We're it. Um, and I, I enjoy, I love coaching there and it works for me. I've had pro offers over the years, but I, I love where I'm at, both scouting yeah. and college. So, so my, my question is, as you, as you look at, you know, these guys who, you know, for, for all intents and purposes are really good ball players, but the majority of them, the large majority of them will never make a dime playing the game. What, what, what have you seen over the years in terms of the difference? Like what, what truly is the difference? Because I mean, it's so fractional between the guys who and and gals right you know who play the game you know and and are just so good at what they do but getting to to that pro level is i, I mean again it, it, to the average person you don't see the difference i mean an 83 mile an hour fastball coming at me looks the same as a, as a 93 mile an hour fastball coming at me you know what i mean like i'm not hitting it it doesn't matter so what what have you seen and what what do you really help your your kids to do in order to, to, to have that, that difference or, you know, how, I guess I just don't understand how can you have so many great athletes, but there's just such a small difference. What is that difference? Um, to answer that question, what is the difference? Uh, it's persistence because there's a lot of talented players who will not maybe work as hard or when they get knocked down, they they quit just let's use me for an example uh, i'd like to think that i'm a very good coach and a very good scout okay very good but it wasn't easy i could have quit the first time that i that the things didn't go my way but i didn't i kept i was persistent so number one they have to be persistent number two they have to work incredibly hard okay and then you also and, and a word that i hate Okay, but the word realistic, if you're throwing 84, 85, there's guys throwing 98, 99, 100. Okay, or the kids will come up to me and say, I want to play at the University of Texas. Okay, great. You're a five foot nine left handed pitcher who's throwing 83. Go look on that roster and see if there's any five foot nine, five foot 10 pitchers throwing 83. No. Yeah. So that's what dictates what you see on paper is what dictates. Um, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but you have to have is the it, physical ability. And, and it's, so is, is it teachable in any way? I guess what I'm saying, is there anything that you do specifically with your kids that helps to elevate them okay. and, and relates to something that is teachable? Great question. One of my favorite, if not my favorite athlete of all time, Joe Namath, used to say great quarterbacks are made, not born. I don't necessarily agree with that. You have to have X amount of ability to start off with. You just have to. Now, I think let's just use hitting for an example. I think I'm excellent at teaching hitting and improving hitting. I do a lot of lessons and camps and, of course, my own team. I study hitters like crazy. So I think I'm really good at that. Okay. Now, if you have some ability, I can, if you have five ability, I can make you an eight. If you have eight ability, I can make you a 13, 14. If you, you see what I'm saying? You have to have X amount of ability. Now, if you have a two ability, okay, maybe I can make you a, a five, okay? But that doesn't mean that you're going to play professionally. You have to have something to, be, to start off with in order for a coach to elevate you to that next level. Uh, and, uh, again, Namath, uh, I love Namath, but I don't necessarily agree with it. You have to have X amount 
amount of ability to start off with. And then you have to have the right teaching because I'm very critical on how hitting is taught. We're just talking about hitting right now. Yeah. You have to have the right teacher to help you improve. And, uh, and then you have to keep going at it. Yeah. Um, Rich, I've got a, a bunch of questions here, but I don't want to take, I mean, it's sports, you know, and just mentality. And I mean, you know, just, there's very few opportunities to talk to, to someone at the, you know, at the, the level that Claudio is here. So, uh, I'll, but I'll, I want to make sure you have ample time to ask your question. Oh, no, I I'm the, feel the same way. I feel like personally, I could talk to you for a couple hours on this. Um, so one, I want to point out to the listeners that just Claudio is a good example. He wanted to play baseball and he he didn't make it in the capacity he wanted but he's still in baseball he still gets to be a part of baseball and this is this is a a big thing it seems like a small thing but that's you could end up owning a team or being a coach or manager or scout like there's just so many other things and so I just think just that story in and of itself is worth not just rushing by um, so thanks for leading by example on that piece, Claudio. That's awesome. I um, I want to kind of go back and I think it's where Steve was going, but it's, um, I have different ways that I describe them. There's the physical ability. I mean, everyone at the pro level is pretty much going to beat us all in a race. They're going to beat us all at hitting. They're going to probably outrun us in the field, everything. Um, but there's this also interesting, maybe it factor or resilience or something in the brain that just is always been fascinating to me. Um, one is I grew up, I went to high school with David Wells that pitched okay. Toronto Yankees and all these guys. And um, also born and raised here in San Diego. So I also watched like Matt Bush and we had Ryan leaf. Yeah. And we have all these. So I would love to hear from, I mean, you come from so many angles, but I would love specifically to hear from the scout part of you that can you see that and see how it might project over course of time? Yes. Um, That's what a good scout does. It was a great general manager years ago. His name was Sid Thrift. He was a general manager of the Pirates, worked for the Yankees, but he used to say being a scout is like a duck hunter. You want to see that the ducks way before they come here because when you see them here, it's too late. So again, projection. Um, There are certain things that I look for. Again, athleticism is first. That's something that you either have or you don't have. And then as far as, and I hope I'm answering your question, let's just say uh, a pitcher. You mentioned David Wells. Sure, he, he could throw pretty hard, but he also had command of his pitches Okay, he could pinpoint where he was going to throw, and he had good breaking stuff, okay? Um, And he also had that desire and that attitude. A hitter, let's say a hitter is hitting, let's say a hitter is hitting uh, in in college, he's hitting four or 500 with an aluminum bat, and the ball goes 320 feet consistently. Well, with a wooden bat, it's not going to go that far. Okay. And then you want to look at his mechanics. Is he flying open? Is he uppercutting? Um, Things that you may get away with on a lower level, you're not going to get away with on a higher level. So you have to project, is this guy, let let me, I know I'm jumping around here, but let me put it this way. Let's say uh, USC football. Let's say they play um, Robert Morris University in football. 
the score should not be, and they're both of them are division one. Okay. No offense to Robert Morris, but USC should beat them, you know, 70 to three. Okay. Um, if it, if it's a, if it's a 20 to 17 game, that's not good. If somebody's looking to go to the pro ranks, he should be dominating where he's at right now. He should not be hitting 300 in college, 310, 320. Okay. He should be hitting 400, 500 plus. Okay. And then when he gets to the pro ranks, those numbers are going to go down, but at least, you know, he has the ability to, to really dominate where he's at. And then as far as the, the, the tech part of it, the mechanics part of it, there's certain things that I look for. Like I said, um, I look for holes in a swing. If somebody, if a right-handed batter is flying open, by that I mean his front side, his, his shoulder, his hip, everything is flying open, his head pulls out, he might be able to get away with it on a high school level, on a college level. He's not going to get away with it on a pro level. And one more example. There was a player years ago, about six foot four, six foot five. He was blowing everybody away. His stats were through the roof. Okay. And some people were projecting him to be a very high draft pick. I didn't think he was ready to be a high draft pick yet. Why? Because of his competition, who he was going up against. Either he was going to be the next Sandy Koufax or David Wells, or he's going up, or he's just going up against mediocre competition. And I was proven to be right. That took this young man a few years to mature, and he's doing well now. But um, or, or, that, to me, it's that's also your competition. How are you doing against your competition? There's Division One. There's Division One. You know, so there, there there's pro. I'll give you one last example. A friend of mine. Uh, he's a future Hall of Fame boxer. His name is Vinny Pazienza, Vinny Paz. They made a movie of his life a few years ago. He was going to fight one more fight for his 50th win. And I said, Vinny, just fight anybody. Just get it. He said, no, I got to fight somebody good. I want to fight a name and somebody with a good record. I said, okay. So I helped him look for an opponent. There was this one guy in West Virginia who was 25 and 0 with like 23 knockouts. Okay. He even got knocked out of the year. This was back in 2004. So I went to go see this guy fight in person. And I said, Vinny would have destroyed this guy in under 20 seconds because Vinny's level of professional boxer was much higher than this guy. Why? Vinny worked a lot harder. Vinny was more talented. He was born with more uh, intrinsic talent. He had the attitude. So all those things combined talent, desire, passion, being able to get like that one pitcher, whenever he gave up some hits, as he climbed the ladder, his attitude sunk. You need to have like David Wells again, since you mentioned him, the more you hit David Wells, the more he wanted to fight you back. And that's to me, that's what you, and, and, and you check out the attitude. Then you say, okay, now this guy can go to the next level. He can take a punch. Uh, he, he can get hit in the game and, and come back or he does have good sharp movement. Um, so there's things that you, you, you do pick up on uh, that you feel he can go to the next level. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me ask you this then, as it relates to, um, to, to cultivating that talent, why do you think somebody like a Theo Epstein has had the success that, that he has had? Now granted, you know, it's, it, you know, was it an anomaly to be able to go into Boston and do what he did? Maybe was it an anomaly to be able to go into Chicago and do what he did just, you know, right circumstances, right time, right opportunity. 
maybe, but you know, actually Richie and I talk about this quite a bit, which is when you look at the percentage of people who actually make it to play pro ball, like, especially if you look at football as an example, right? I mean, it's just, it's such an infinitesimal percentage of the people who start by playing high school ball to ever make it to the pro league. So when you look at an offensive tackle on the Patriots versus an offensive tackle on the Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, the, the difference is, is very slight, right? I mean, so slight. But then you take that same player and you put him into a system like the Patriots, or you put that player into a system like what Theo Epstein was able to do at Boston and, and Chicago. The, the question is, if, if the talent is the same, what is it about the system that certain organizations do so well to get their desired results? Like, is there, is there any secret saucer that you're seeing behind, uh, you know, a Theo Epstein and, and the system or, or, or a Patriots and the system so that it doesn't matter who the offensive tackle is? Like, okay, that guy goes down, great, put this guy in and, and you still win the game. Great question. And you remember the old saying in real estate, What's the three most important three most important things in real estate are location, location, location. The three most important things in business on sports teams are good people, good people, good people. You have to have the people who want to be coached. You have to have the people who have that desire, who want to win. When they get knocked down, are they going to get? Are they going to sink even lower? Or again, are they going to fight back? It's that simple. The Patriots, if you look at their roster, um, how many recognizable names have they had in the past 15 years? Okay. Right. Not many. Not many. But they had, and, and Belichick, sure, he's a great coach, but he had those special players who listened, who wanted to win. Uh, Vince Lombardi is Green Bay Packers. Uh, obviously, the probably perhaps the most legendary of all sports teams. And he rode them pretty hard. They could have said, ah, I don't want to listen to this guy. I'm not going to put it out. I'll, I'll take a day off. Or Those guys didn't do it. They wanted to be taught. They wanted to be better football players. When you get a guy, when you get a, a team who listens to you and wants to go through the wall, over the wall, underneath the wall, side of the wall, then you have something special. And that's I've had teams like that that are mm -hmm. special people. Obviously, you have to have some special talents, but for my money, the, those organizations you talked about, be it the Cubs, the Red Sox, or um, we talk, you know, touched on the Patriots, without question, special people. You have to have people that listen and that want it. It's that simple. Yeah. I, I actually want to go back for a second to what Steve was talking about, and I, I know you said it was people, but I really... I really want to find that happy medium between the people and the system because we also do another show beyond eight figures and we did it right prior to the show. And we were talking specifically about systems okay. and then whether you flash back to like Michael Gerber and, and all the e-myth and you put the right system in place, you can literally take the, the, this isn't the exact right phrase I want to use, but the lowest common denominator person, like you could take an average Joe and put him in the right system and it would still work. Now, if you can also get great people to your point in that system, then you got really, really got something special. But the reason I'm bringing that up is it just seems like there's certain teams that almost always I'm, I'm born and raised in San Diego. So like, 
imagine what I've been working with over the years. <laughs> but I actually, for the first time in, a, in the history of my life, see something different see something different on the horizon. They weren't just selling the farm. They invested in more coaching. They got a lot more, they got a lot more scouts. They got, they're doing something different than I've ever seen. Now, unfortunately, not going to get to see what that looks like this year, but um, just really want to hone in on that. How much of you even being a good scout, if you don't have someone above you and you don't have the right managers above you and you don't have the right system in place, you could be the best scout on the planet. You, your, your guys might not ever get there. So specifically a little more deeper dive in what you've noticed in how to build a team. I, I, I know you said they want to be teachable or they should be teachable. They want to learn. They want to put it in the work. They want to improve but I would love some insights you have on what you've seen from ownership down in building a system that helps those people that you get, now you get those type people and they can really do special things. Okay. I, I think I know what you're asking. And let me start with this. Uh, in the early eighties, I believe it was 82, 1982, Whitey Herzog was the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team. They, I think they're, Biggest, they, they had a second baseman, Tommy Herr, who drove in 100 runs, but he only had about – well, let me ask you, Richard. You're a baseball fan. If I told you somebody had 100 RBIs, how many home runs would you think he had? Oh, these days? Yeah. 30-plus. <laughs> okay. I, I want to say Tommy Herr had under 10. Yeah. Okay. They had a fast team. So Whitey Herzog – said, you know what? I'm not going to have a bunch of power hitters here. So let me bunt, steal, hit, and run. And they used to drive the opposing team crazy, and they did what they did. They were a great team. But I bet you if he had a bunch of guys like Mark McGuire or uh, Gallo, who plays for the Rangers now, or these big sluggers, his system would have changed. He wouldn't have looked too good, Richard, if he would have had a bunch of six foot four guys who can hit the ball 400 feet plus and have them steal. So he had to adjust his system. So I think what you do is you look at the people, your personnel in your business or on your team and say, well, we're going to be a, a, a fast team or we're going to be a power hitting team. The Pirates and the, the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1976, their nickname was the Lumber and Lightning because they had guys who could hit and they had guys who can run. So what was, was their system? Guys who can hit, guys who can run. Okay, so I think it's kind of, uh, I, I think what, let, let's just use the Patriots since they're the model team uh, for the past several years. I think Bilicek has an idea of what he wants to do, the type of game he wants to play, and he goes out and gets those people who fits it. San Diego Chargers years ago in the, 80, in the late 70s, 80s, Eric Coriel with Dan Fouts and Winslow and Jefferson and Joyner. So what did they do? They threw it. Chuck Knox uh, from he was born and raised where I live in Swickley, and he was like an uncle to me. His nickname was Ground Chuck. He had great running backs, so why not use them? So I think that what I would do personally is for, for a team, for a baseball team or a football team, whatever, um, if I had guys who were big power hitters but they couldn't run, guess what my system's going to be? Like the Baltimore Orioles of the 70s, their, their thing was uh, three-run home runs, three-run home runs, Earl Weaver. So I think the system, if you're smart, 
should go by what you have on your team. Or if you're a, a, the president of a team or a manager, CEO, whatever, and you have a certain idea of how to run a business or how to run a team, okay, you will recruit those people that fit your system. Because if not, you're going to get guys, for example, again, let's say Don Corey, uh, uh, Dan Fouts, okay, again, was a Hall of Famer for the Chargers, played for Chuck Knox. He might not have liked playing for Chuck because Chuck really believed in running the ball. Okay, where Dan Fouts used to like to air it out, throw it. Ken Stabler, the Raiders, throw it. Okay, Dan Marino, let's throw it. Okay, so um, I think the best thing to do is get people that are going to fit your system that agree that, that, that uh, agree and, and uh, can complement your system, your, your theories, your ideas. Um, if not, you're going to have a lot of bucking. You're going to have people going against each other. Um, mm -hmm. So again, it goes back to good people and the right people, the right people. Yeah. I hope I answered the, your question. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, so Claudia, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, you, you obviously got a number of things going on. What, what is the immediate impact on, on you and, and, and your life and, and businesses uh, that you are seeing just given everything that's going on? Number one, to be honest with you, I, I just, before I get into myself, I feel bad for people. I hate whenever I hear people saying that they may lose their homes. That, that I cringe when I hear that. Um, and to be honest with you, I always have that mentality. Mario Andretti, the great car race, uh, race car driver, they asked him once, what's your biggest fear? And he said, poverty. And that's something that always stuck with me. Okay. So I feel bad when people are hurting. What effect has this had on me? They canceled our CMU season. Um, and then the pro side, everything has come to a screeching halt, obviously, for now. Mm -hmm. um, but my dad taught me years ago and always said to me, uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So I've been fortunate that, as I said, I had a landscaping business, which so far, so far has not been affected by anything. Um, my hitting lessons have been affected. They've slowed up considerably. Um, but again, something, again, I mentioned all these guys because I have interactions with them around friends. Former heavyweight contender Jerry Cooney. He had maybe four or five major fights in his career, but he always said, I always save money for that rainy day because it's going to rain someday. And now, unfortunately, it's raining. And I think people after this are going to maybe, because uh, this will end, this too shall pass. I don't know when, but it will. Um, yeah. Maybe people will be a little bit smarter with their finances and, and, and that kind of thing. But um, I've, I've been okay so far. I mean, we're, we're healthy. My wife is a teacher. She's been teaching online. My wife, my daughter is a freshman at University of Pittsburgh. Um, she is taking classes online. And again, uh, my season will start up again at CMU in the fall. But um, I, I've been hit like everybody else, but yeah. perhaps not as bad. Yeah. So what, uh, what, what's got you the most excited then? Uh, I mean, obviously, given the circumstances, things are... are, are challenging at the moment, but, uh, beyond, beyond the challenge, assuming that we move, uh, you know, into, uh, a, a new normal at some point here, 
albeit however long that will be, we don't quite know. But uh, when we hit that new normal again, what, uh, what, what are you most excited about? I'll be excited whenever we can do what we want. I mean, like the other day, there's a restaurant that my wife and I frequent often. And I said, Let, let's go. We can't go. You know, you, take, yeah. you kind of take that for granted, the freedom that you have to, my daughter loves going to malls. We can't go to a mall. So number one, I'll be excited about being able to pretty much do what, uh, like you said, the new normal, kind of do a little bit more as far as professionally is concerned. Um, always looking forward to, uh, uh, we have some things going on professionally that we're excited about with the Global Scouting Bureau. And as far as my team at CMU, I have a great bunch of guys that I miss. And uh, we were looking to have a good season this spring. And, um, you know, we're going to have a good squad coming back in the fall. So, I, and our fall season carries over to the spring. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and uh, again, my, my podcast is going well. That hasn't been affected. I've been fortunate enough to get some sponsors for that. So I'm excited nice. about everything that I do. And I just, I'll be excited when people are back to work and healthy and they can go on with their lives. Because like I said, it, you know, it's a quick trip from the penthouse to the outhouse. Um, mm. I, I never take that for granted. I've, I've been very blessed in my life, uh, Steve and Richard, and, and I don't take that for granted. And I just, again, I can't say it enough. I feel so bad for people. And sometimes when you hear these stories, it's almost like, you know, it's happening to you. And, you know, I don't want to say scared, but it makes you cognizant that these things can happen. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, appreciate you. Once again, the name of the podcast and then uh, best places for folks, folks to go to connect with you. Well, it's uh, ClaudioRelsano.com and you can see it on the screen, I guess. Uh, and I, I interview like a lot of former legends or a lot of current legends from seventies, eighties and nineties. I've had a great group of guys on, um, and I looking forward to doing some speaking as well and, and have a couple TV shows. As I said, Pittsburgh's ring talk, which you can check out on PCTV21.org. Uh, my podcast, as I said, on my website, it's on Spotify, Stitcher and iTunes. And, um, yeah, really, really appreciate you guys having me on the show. I really do. Yeah, I well, appreciate you coming on and sharing some of the stories and the insights. And and I enjoy your work too, Steve. I enjoy your work. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. That's Claudio, C-L-A-U-D-I-O, Relsano, R-E-I-L-S-O-N-O.com. Check out everything that he's doing. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you being on. Thank you, guys. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. All right. We'll let you jump. And uh, yeah, and Richie, you know, it's uh, it's not every day you get a, you know, a, a top level coach on and obviously with everything that he's got going on in the world there, it's uh, tricky, 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 I'm sure. And uh, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get back at it. Uh, but, you know, what, what, what I found really interesting and what... Um, what what I'm I'm always looking to to unpack and and dissect is is what what is that that difference, you know, between the the ball player who who plays on on the Division One level at Robert Morris and the ball player who you know plays on Division One at at USC and then uh, ultimately makes it into into the pros because uh, you and I have discussed this before at length and it's just it's such a infinitesimal difference between them. Yeah. 
I think what's more, well, we always want to unpack it. I think that's why we early on in this conversation said, well, we could probably talk to him for a couple of hours. But um, I think what's really interesting is, is the ones that look like physical specimens that don't make it. Mm-hmm. And, and these are, a, there's a lot of trained professionals with a lot of money on the line. And like I said, Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf. Now, granted, we didn't have the choice in that one because they picked Peyton first, but yeah. um, supposedly it was up until the night before and then a couple additional questions made him go that way. I don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the part that's fascinating to me. It's It's so much of everything we talk about, whether it's coaching or the business or ever just what's going on in the world right now mindset is so huge and i think probably the part specifically what's going on with you know stay at home and all this stuff unlike everything that's happened in the past when you know the global downturn with real estate or the great depression or any of the other things that have happened i've never really heard of one where kind of entertainment as we know it has disappeared. Yeah. Bars, the sports. I mean, that part to me is kind of what always helped people get out of it faster. Yeah. You've got, you, you have no outlet right now, you know, and it's interesting too, because I've seen um, like online a number of people who um, a, a number of people, who have started doing um, sort of these um, these uh, virtual kind of parties, you know, if you will, um, whether it's music or, or dancing or even like fitness parties and you know whatnot. Uh, like my wife has been watching uh, movies with with her friends on Netflix using that Netflix party um, extension, which is kind of cool for Chrome, right? So they can chat during the movie and, and whatnot. Um, and so anyway, I, mean, I know we're kind of getting off, uh, off subject here, but just the bottom line is, you know, with, with any sort of uh, crisis, you know, there's always some degree of opportunity. It's just really hard to see when you're, when you're smack dab in the middle of it. And all I would say is, you know, let yourself feel whatever those emotions are and don't stifle it. Just reach out and, and talk to whomever it is that, you know, can, can hear you and, yeah. and help you through it. Because the reality is uh, everybody's kind of riding the wave right now. And there's the ups and the downs and the crashes and the, and the feeling greats and the so on. Um, but, you know, just communicate more rather than less right now. And the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, I've seen this in a couple of groups that I'm a part of. I mean, I'm a, fortunate to be in a group with that I was invited into a group with Evan Pagan, uh, where you've got people like uh, Marie Forleo and Dean Graziosi and Gay Hendricks. And uh, I mean, it's just it, it's an unbelievable array uh, of top level people who are all sharing what's going on and how they're contending with with uh, the situation. But the, the bottom line, I'm sharing all this is because all those people are available, like every single time there's 70 of us on or something like that. It's an outrageous number. So the bottom line being, 
you know, people that may not normally be available because they're too busy or whatever, they're available, right? So, so reach out and, uh, and talk by phone, by text, by FaceTime, by Zoom, whatever it might be. Uh, but just now's, now's the time to, to ask for help when you need it and, and offer support when you feel strong enough to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, and something you said there, I think it was when you were mentioning social distancing. Oh, no, it was when you said um, communicate even more. Yeah. It makes me think about the specifics. When we keep talking about mindset and focusing on the right thing, I can't stand that word. I can't stand social distancing. I like that is the completely wrong word. We're supposed to be physically distancing this, ourselves from each other, but we yeah. should be socially communicating more than ever. It's yeah. part of what my problem was with social media in general. Most people use social media in a way that wasn't even social. Mm -hmm. It was just, hey, look at me, you know, broadcast. Just it wasn't yeah. really necessarily being. Um, let's just say give and take for yeah. first thing that comes to mind. But um, I, I almost think I'm going to do a, a, a post or a podcast on that. Like I, I can't stand that phrase social distancing right now because it's, it's literally the last thing we should be doing. We need other people in communication more than ever. I agree. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And you know, it is interesting um, from the standpoint of no matter how you slice it, um, just consumption of entertainment and education and information uh, online right now, whether it's through a podcast or through social or through blogs and videos and whatnot. I mean, it just skyrocketing, you know, just skyrocketing. And so the, the, the good news is no matter what business you are in, uh, you have a solution to a problem that a lot of folks are having. And right now, uh, the more you double down on content, the more you double down on communication, uh, the more opportunities I know that you will have to establish some goodwill and really build that foundation so that on the other side of this, people will be like, yeah, you know, you, you really helped me through that or you showed me what I need to do here or whatever. So I would just say give without the expectation of reciprocation. Um, and you know, not that you're doing it with, with the intention of this paying off for you. And you certainly need to go into it with the, with the mentality of, um, I'm not looking for any ROI on this. I'm just doing it. But the natural byproduct of that give, I believe, uh, strongly is that the byproduct of that give, uh, is when, when things do return to whatever that new normal is. Uh, people are going to remember how, how you help them through this. So, yeah. yeah. I, I have a quick question for you. you. We still have a couple minutes, right? You know what? We don't have a studio at this point. We have as much time <laughs> as we would okay. like to have. There, okay. There's no hard stop on this. You know, with Claudio, I, you know, I was like, you know, I think, I think we're good there, man. So let's let Claudio jump. But let's, uh, yeah, no, you and well, I can chat as long as you want, Richie. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Because I think... <laughs> I miss right, you, <laughs> I know. Ditto. Um, right now, I don't remember if he's the one, uh, Roland Frazier I'm referring to, if yeah. he's the one who specifically came up with this phrase, but he's the one I last remember. But he's talking about the long and the short. 
mm-hmm. kind of covering both. And so that's, that's a really interesting for one for me right now. You, you probably There's, have to explain what that, what that is for folks. So yeah, I mean, you're in a mastermind with him, so feel free to expand on it if I don't say it exactly. But for, for just a way to sum it up quick is short ter- the short is the immediate income coming in, taking care of what's needed right now. Yeah. And then the long is more, um, not just saving some of that and investing for future things, but just there's a, there's a longer game where you'd maybe take some of those short-term games and invest in other things to diversify. And maybe, you, maybe you don't. So I sometimes mm-hmm. think back to even your podcast magazine and what you were just referring to, you're not trying to monetize that as much right now. It's more of a long for you. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if all of a sudden everyone's like, will you take, do will you take $10 for the thing you gave me free? You'd gladly yeah. give them a link to, to pay you. But, yeah. um, but I think you're leading by example right now. And, and it's really kind of a, a statement slash question of, is that really, do you just see the vision so much in that, that you just say, Hey, it's going to come back later because look at the people you've met and all the places you've got to see. And, and now you're starting to see things in podcasters you never would have had an opportunity to. So it's kind of one, how are you yeah. looking at your business in general, the other stuff, and then also podcast magazine when it comes to, to long and short. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting, right? I mean, I, I kind of liken it to uh, the conversation uh, as out of this may sound around gardening, right? From the standpoint of, you know, there are people who plant uh, perennial type, um, you know, flowers and bushes and whatnot, right? That just continue to bloom year after year after year. Um, and then, you know, some people like just to have the, the seasonal colors and they'll just plant, you know, the, the flowers, the marigolds or whatever that look good for a little while. And then, you know, and then and they go. So there's kind of the short and the long, you know, in terms of that analogy. Um, so it's really hard right now to, to think about anything other than the short, just because of how the rug has been pulled out from so many, uh, including us, right, at, at this moment. I mean, you know, reality is <clears throat> we're, we're, we weren't hit as hard um, as some of my peers who really depend on the live event model to do what they do. Um, our, our last new media summit that we had, um, there was a lot of fear. Yes, new media summit, exactly. Uh, with the t-shirt as Richie stands up there and showing us the shirt on the video here. Um, you know, we, we were probably off about 300,000 in revenue from that event in terms of the number of people who did not sign on to a relevant product or program or service from that event just because of the fear. I mean, we, we got in one of the last events um, to happen, right? I mean, we, we literally got in right before the mandates came down, but there was still a lot of fear. There was still a lot of concern. People knew that we were in for something bad here. They just didn't really know what that was. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we certainly got hit, right? No doubt. Um, and in the scheme of things, no matter how you slice it, $300,000 in revenue or whatever that actual number is that we were down because people didn't invest at that event, um, it's, it's a meaningful amount of money, right? For sure. 
but you know, so it's interesting. Do you, do you remember what I said? Um, my themes were for the for the decade when we talked about themes for not just the theme oh, for twenty, yeah. but actually for- my themes for the decade. Do you remember? Yeah. And the decades kind of for this is kind of forcing you for it. The automation. Yeah, that is one, right? Automation was one. Yeah. I have it. It's not, it's literally at the tip of my tongue, but it's residual income, residual income. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I, as much as I have been decent um, in the online world and, you know, really just trying to, to do things to take advantage of everything that the internet has to offer, um, I have not been great at helping Kelly and, and our team here um, really take advantage of things that are going on from an, from an evergreen standpoint or an automated standpoint in terms of having our offerings, whether it's profiting from podcasts or closing from the stage or what, yeah, that's an ironic program to have now. Um, we're going to have to change that to closing from the virtual stage, I think is what we're going to have to rename that one right now. How about Just that, don't Kelly? name it closing yeah. the stage. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, but we have not done a great job. I have not done a great job of helping to spearhead, uh, putting those things into evergreen, having an automated funnel in place for those higher end programs. Our lower end stuff, yes, not the higher end stuff. And so, so that is both a short and a long play, right? From the standpoint of short in terms of income, but also long uh, in terms of set it and forget it. So, so this, this is really an opportunity for me now to, to walk the talk. And if the themes for the decade are residual income and automation, um, what, what better opportunity than now to start putting those pieces in place through webinars? Although it's interesting, I literally just bought the, uh, the domain Selenar. Um, because, you know, to me, it's like, let's stop all the, you know, let's stop all the bull, you know, let's, let's call it what it is. Don't, don't say you're giving me a webinar and then you're going to turn around and, and sell me something like, you know, we're smart enough for that. Let's give, let's give people credit where credit is due. Let's call it what it is. So I'm, I'm hoping to start a new trend, Richie. Hashtag Selenar. That's the plan. Uh, so everyone knows ahead of time. So uh, actually you never know. You only people who want to buy already might get on because they know they're going to be sold something. So you're well, and that's it, right? I mean, and, and that's perhaps a lot of what we're seeing here. And, and when you think about it from a trickle down standpoint, right, in terms of messaging, and I love my Mary, um, we have a difference of opinion from, you know, from a leadership standpoint in terms of just how things are being handled right now. And I will say that if you, if you give people the truth, they can handle the truth. They may not like the truth. They may not understand what their options are in terms of dealing with it. But don't tell me that something isn't what it actually is. And so, and so to that end, you know, if we're, if we're moving into this, this phase of, of seminars being an option for people to put forth their knowledge and then invite those folks into relevant offerings, um, then maybe that's a, maybe that is a shift that needs to happen. You know, let's, let's give, you know, let's give more credit to folks coming on to these things in terms of understanding what they're in for. Yeah. You know what else is going to be interesting? And I'd love if you have any feedback or know very many people are doing it. I've 
I've heard of a few, but that um, it was starting a little bit before this. And I hear a lot of people starting to switch to it, like pay what you can. Mm-hmm. I hate that model. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure uh, for the most part, you're going to get now, if it was automated and it was residual, right? I, I, there's a part of me that wonders now it would be a unique course. So elaborate a little on, on why, um, other than the obvious, you're probably never going to get the, the big one because I've heard with some people in certain services, the revenue actually went up. And, and don't get me wrong. I come from a very, you know, very small scope of data, right? And, and that data that I use is really just the data that's in my head. So it's a, it, you know, I'm, I'm in a microscope of a microscope right now, but my thinking, yeah, exactly. My thinking though is when, when you ask someone to pay what they can, it's the same thing as my saying to you, Richie, l- let me know if you need any help on anything. And, 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 the, and the point being, if I just say, you know, Hey, I'm here. If you need me, let me know if you need, you know, if you need my help with anything, it's very different than my saying, you know, Richie, what do you need in your fridge right now? You know, like what, what, what's not in your fridge that you need right now? Do you need milk? Do you need eggs? Let me go look. Hold on. Yeah, actually, we could use some milk and we can use some eggs. Then I go to the grocery store and I get you milk and eggs, right? Easy. Mm-hmm. easy ask, easy answer, easy problem, easy solution. When, when you put things in, this, in the vein of pay what you can, the, the problem with that is the mind doesn't know how to process what that actually looks like because they have no way of establishing value around what it is that you've delivered, especially when you compare it to all of the free content that is available. Mm-hmm. So if you want to launch a podcast, Google launch a podcast and there are a million free tutorials. So if I say to people, you can have access to our Launcher Podcast program, where it takes you step-by-step with the process of launching, marketing, monetizing your own podcast, and I say, pay what you can, pay what you want, how, how do you even put a, a meaningful value on that? Now, don't get me wrong. If somebody gives you a dollar, is that a dollar more than you would have gotten before? Sure. Mm-hmm. And maybe you really need that dollar, and, and by all means, have at it. But I think ultimately it boils down to in, in this market, especially in this market, the, the natural inclination, and you can stop me at any time here, Richie, but you know, I'll just keep preaching. The, the natural inclination is for people to want to meet the market where the market is, which means they're in a state of fear. They're in a state of let me close my wallet. And they're in a state of, I just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So therefore, I may not be willing to invest. And that is that person projecting out to the world that no one is willing to invest. If they say, pay what you want, or I'm just going to give this to you for free. So it's, it's, it's a fine line between establishing the value of what you offer and being able to serve those who need what it is that you can do for them. It makes sense. And I appreciate your input on, on your thoughts on that. Um, I've noticed sometimes people are doing things like a temporary access or maybe they keep their same value where it was, say like digital marketing and rolling those guys, they offered 
free access for whatever it was, 14 days, 15 days or whatever, no yeah. credit card needed. And it's going to be interesting to see down the road how that worked out for them. Cause last I saw they, they were not far from 30,000 additional people on their list that got a taste of it. We'll see. We don't know yet. Right. right? But, um, yeah, but they it didn't. 30, it was just, just so the folks know. So Ryan Dice, Roland Frazier, the group over there, digital marketer, um, they, they opened up basically their, what they call the lab, which is just a bunch of, of courses that they have, you know, great courses that they have uh, in terms of, Hey, here's, you know, here's an opportunity to access all of our stuff. No credit card, Required. We're just opening up the doors, go through it, take what you want, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they ended up with about 30,000 people or so taking, taking them up on, on that offer. And, and, and so what's interesting is I would love to see the data, Richie, on, on how many of those 30,000 were new people that came into their world or were people who were already on their database. And my hunch is that 99.8% of those people were already on their database. And so if they're already on the database, then, you know, are you, you know, are, are you, uh, what are you doing there? You know, are you taking, see you. hey, how are you, sweetie? Good, good to see you. Good to see you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> um, but so the bottom line is, were they, yeah, are they, are they, are they basically siphoning off their own dollars, right? Were there, are there dollars there that they will no longer have access to because they have made all of this for free? And so I don't know. And the answer is we'll see, but I, I would venture to guess there were a lot of people out of those 30,000 that at some point would have paid something. Mm -hmm. and you know, again, goodwill, where they buy something else in the future? Maybe, maybe not. So one last, one last thing. What, what's going well? What, pick one thing, because I'm sure a lot of things are going well with Podcast Magazine. And yeah. what could you use some help with? Yeah, man. So, um, so Podcast Magazine, it's hard to believe, but we actually just dropped our third issue, which, and I'm saying it's hard to believe from the standpoint of it feels like 30. <laughs> <laughs> at this point. Um, so yeah, um, this, the automation thing isn't really going to work with you on that one. You, that's the one you definitely blew it on that one. <laughs> blew it on that one. So, uh, so what's going well is the feedback is really good. Um, people are really uh, thankful for a magazine that represents the, the medium well from a from a consumer facing standpoint we didn't want to you know we didn't want this to be an industry rag we didn't want this to be for podcasters you know of course there are podcasters who read it but there's also folks who do not have a podcast that are just interested in, in more about the industry and finding great shows and so on so um so that's going really well i mean we really we really did meet uh, a needed demand there that you know again the marketplace didn't even know the demand was there until we said hey here is this product, here is this project, what do you guys think? Um, and so delivering uh, really uh, as high a quality of product as we possibly could has been, has been very well received. Um, so right now, I think we're sitting at about 22 or 23,000 subscribers, um, which three months in, you know, pretty good, not, uh, not going to complain 
uh, about that. Could it be a lot more if the people that we feature actually shared it? <laughs> yes. Like, you know, we had Katie Couric on the cover, right? I mean, come on, Katie, just, just share it once, you know, somewhere, do something. You know, right now we got Jordan Belfort on the cover and, and, and that's, you know, that's a guy who's got a big following. It's like, just share it, will you? Do something to say, you know, hey, thanks for featuring me and let me share with my people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be good if we could get them to, you know, of course, to, to say yes. Um, and, so and saying, perhaps what you, you need help with is I should call Katie and say, hey, Katie, could you, could you share this <laughs> for us? <please?" laughs> yeah, that, that would be great. Um, you know, but, you know, at the same token, it's really opened up a lot of doors that they're, they're to a person. There's, you know, maybe one or two people that have said, you know, no, we'll pass for now. But everyone else who we've approached with this, you know, whether it's Dave Rams or the Adam Carollas or the Jenna Kutchers or the, you know, et cetera, they're all down and we're starting to get a lot of inbound as well. How do we get on the cover? How do we get a feature? This, you know, this, that, and the other. So that's, that's really working well. Um, but, you know, at the same token, it's uh, like any fledgling startup. I mean, it's, it is, it's revenue that we need help with, right? Because for right now, I mean, when you come right down to it, 23 odd thousand people who love podcasts, that puts us in some pretty good air in terms of the larger podcasts. When you think about, you know, well, how many podcasts get 23,000 downloads an episode? The answer is very, very, very few, mm-hmm. much less than a, than a lot of people think. So, so, we, so we're delivering a very specific demographic here. And, and, and we know that the opportunity is there. Uh, to, to monetize what we're doing. So if you build it, they will come. And that's certainly where we're at with it for now. Uh, we just hope they, they come sooner. <laughs> so, that, so that's always where we need help for sure. All right. All right. Well. All right, my friend. I know you got the family and appreciate you joining today and hanging out. And if you guys missed the episode of Beyond Eight Figures, uh, check out Beyond Eight Figures, that podcast as well, where we always sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than 10 million or currently run businesses that gross more than 10 million annually and get to the bottom of how they start and scale and exit. And of course, join us for reinvention radio. Uh, next week, we try to do this every Thursday from 12 until two between the two shows beyond eight figures and reinvention radio. Richie Ote, good hanging out with you there, my friend. Mary Goulet will be back hopefully next week. Kelly, thanks for keeping it under control at headquarters. Wade, we'll see you back at the studio sometime soon. I'll talk to everybody very, very soon here on Reinvention Radio. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com.